class. Please be quiet. Shh. Shh. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. Welcome to the RPG Academy Network presents Film Studies. So, hello and welcome, uh, class. This is Michael here from the RPG Academy podcast, and I will be your facilitator today for Film Studies. And we are going to be talking about the 1993 movie Groundhog Day, written and directed by Harold Ramis. So, let's take a listen around the room, see who's going to be joining us today on the show. Michael, say hello to everyone. Hello, I am uh, Michael, or Michael, uh, with a question mark at the end, or Varyager, depending on what medium you're on, but uh, you can reach me at Varyager1 uh, on Twitter. All right, and then what do you do besides, like, what, what sort of podcasts are you a part of? So I'm part of the illustrious RPG Academy. When, when, ne- when never called, heard of them. Yeah, never heard of them? Never heard of them. They're, I, well, let me talk to you about them for about an hour, because <laughs> I have a thing, a spiel. Um, but, uh, I, I, I run games, I play games. I am your average gamer, I think in most, in most categories, I'm 20, late twenties and, uh, you know, a, a gamer for 15 ish years. And, um, I, I love everything about gaming and help out with the podcast and the convention where I can. And that's, that's me in a nutshell. Excellent. And then joining us tonight from across the pond is Caleb. From the Rollies podcast, Calum, say hello to everyone. De Boucampeur et au Lecker. Yes, this is Calum from the Rollies podcast, the proudly London-based show of tabletop RPG fans across the channel, the pond and beyond. Proud member of the RPG Academy Network. What? what? Uh, so if this is your first time here at a film studies, we are going to talk about the movie Groundhog Day. Uh, part of the show will just be us talking about whether we liked it or not and what we liked or not about it. And then we're going to spend some time talking about how it could be used as inspiration for role-playing games, either as taking the themes, the, the, the plot, uh, or just different elements and how we might apply them into games. Uh, so just a quick content warning. We try not to use uh, adult language, and if we do, sometimes I will cut it out. So all I can tell you is to look at our uh, tag, and if this one has an E next to it, that means I have not cut out the language or something like that and i don't think there's any content warning for the movie itself do you think there's any like problematic content no i think it's pg it might be i think it's pg there's there's some like implied harm to animals yeah but it's 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 total harm yeah yeah, there's a corpse. It's comedic point. harm. There's a corpse. Yeah. Oh, that's true. There, there is, there is corpse. Uh, but this was like the '90s. Come yeah. on. I, I think we're okay. But uh, again, if you are not sure, or if you are someone who has particular yeah. uh, worries, content trigger warnings that affect you, then I would just check out the movies like IMDb page um, and make sure this is something you're comfortable talking with. All right, so Caleb, I'm going to start with you. Generally, we start with uh, kind of a, a review or tagline for the movie. So uh, what do you got for us? I've got from level one to past epic tier level 20 in less than 24 hours. And uh, I will give it five stars. I mean, that's, uh, that's a brilliant movie. Excellent. All right, Michael. 
I think we went with uh, it only took my PC 10,000 years to change alignments. Okay. Uh, rating star star rating? Oh, like a big five groundhogs out of five groundhogs. Nice. Uh, and then I came up with uh, exploring the five stages of grief, the comedy, the movie. Also five stars. I love this movie. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, I'm a big Bill Murray fan. I think uh, he's the best person to be in Bill Murray on the planet. I think he enjoys being Bill Murray more than anyone else on the planet. And this basically was Bill Murray the movie uh, with some other people in the movie with him. Yeah, I, I always wonder like how much creative freedom did, did they give him on this? That would be like a definite question. I, I would like. Wonder. I did look up some trivia behind the scenes. There wasn't anything super juicy. Like mm-hmm. I, Ghostbusters is one of my all-time favorite movies, and it's legendary how much of that movie is just made up, you know, improv. This didn't have a lot of. You know, I did give a lot of examples, but I have to imagine there's some, uh, though there is one part and I'll mention it at the end. But uh, if you've never watched Groundhog Day, what the bleep is wrong with you? Go watch the movie right now. Uh, but essentially, it is the story of Phil Connor. Or is it Connor or Connors? I think it's Connors. I think it's Connors. He is a local weatherman from Channel 9 News in Philadelphia. He has been sent to report live on location in Puxatawney for Groundhog's Day when Puxatawney Field comes out, the whole thing with the shadow and the winter and everything. Does not want to be there, does not have any desire to be part of this, but he's accompanied on his trip with his brand new producer, played by Andy McDowell, uh, who you can tell early on kind of thinks he's cute, got a little thing for her, and his regular cameraman, played by Chris Elliott. So they, they arrive in town. They have the on-the-scene, uh, you know, little piece about the weather and what he, whether he saw a shadow. And then as they're trying to leave and get back home, there's a snowstorm blows in, traps them overnight. They have to go back, spend the night. And then when Bill Murray's character wakes up the next day, it's the same day again. So he is now in some sort of cosmic time loop. And every day he wakes up at 6 a.m. and it is once again Groundhog's Day. And then this just rinses and repeats, uh, which is where I'll get into my five stages of grief, because at first he does, doesn't believe it. Then he gets angry about it. Then he gets depressed. Then he you know, gets to acceptance. There's some bargaining in the middle. Uh, and then over the course of all of these repetitions, he becomes a better person. And he, again, as Caleb talked about, epic level, he, he, he levels up and gets different skills. He learns how to juggle and play the piano. And uh, he took perform like 12 times. Yeah. He's like jack of all trades. He's a bar. Double inspiration <laughs> and proficiency and all that. Yeah. Um, and then he, uh, he starts to fall in love with uh, Rita, Andy McDowell's character. And then he's trying to be the best possible boyfriend so he knows everything about her he, he knows what she likes and he tries to create uh, situations where he gets to show off uh, how good of a boyfriend he would be that doesn't work out for him at least not at first and then eventually he becomes a better person he truly accepts and becomes a better person and breaks the loop and he gets out and then it ends with him and rita andy mcdowell's character at the start of what appears to be a, a good relationship so with that out of the way, I'll start with you once again, Calum. What is it about this movie that you enjoyed? Ah, uh, I got a thing I, I like. It's almost a, <clears throat> it's almost a genre of its own. Uh, those fantasy slash sometimes science fiction movie, which uh, actually don't contain uh, any high fantasy. There's just a sort of a twist of thing happening. Uh, I mean, it reminds me of Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. There's just a an idea going on 
and uh, at the same time it opened so many possibilities and uh, I was reading how Harold Ramis was surprised he, he told religious groups would be mad at this movie because there were ideas about being a god uh, and actually this movie is very popular with apparently with religious people it's been shown on religious festival to discuss the, the philosophy behind it and the ideas and I mean it's a, it's a great comedy it's positive and at the same time yeah a bit like The Good Place the more recent thing you, you can leave it and be like oh how would I do that oh, what would that mean would, would I enjoy that would, would that drive me completely insane uh, what does it mean uh, it's there's so much going on and yet at the same time it, it's so simple and sweet. There's a, there's a couple moments where it, at one point he's trying to explain to Rita what's happening. He's just telling her, I can't die. I've, you know, I've killed myself. I've done this. I've lived this long. I've learned all these things. And I just, I, I don't know what's happening. And of course she doesn't believe him. And so he starts like giving examples. He's like, in five seconds, that person's going to drop a tray and this person's now going to do this. And at some point, um, he's like, you know, maybe God doesn't know everything. He's just been around so long. He's 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 learned everything, I guess. Um, and I just love that moment. He says, I'm, I'm a God, I guess. I don't know if I'm the God, but I'm a God because I can't die. And I now know everything about everyone in this town. Uh, so I can see where that would have been like, you know, maybe borderline stepping on some toes that he's saying that he is a God. But again, I don't think that's I don't think that's really what was meant there, but I think, you know, how how would you rationalize what was happening? Uh, was there anything about it that you didn't care for? I wouldn't say didn't care for, but, um, I mean, it's giving it kind of a 21st century look, and uh, uh, I don't know, I don't think it's quite fair, but at the same time, re-watching it yesterday, I was like, to what extent this character is actually a stalker? Uh, or abuse people, especially women, uh, through uh, learning all the information about them and then using that information to seduce them, uh, not maybe successfully with Rita, but successfully with other women. And, uh, and yeah, in our age of actually, you could, you could get that information through Facebook. You know, what's the name of your teacher? Which high school did you go to? Uh, where are you from, etc. What's your favorite ice cream? Uh, it's, yeah, he's doing it another way, but today it would be quite creepy if someone was doing that through uh, other means. Yeah, I agree. It's, that's probably one of the few things that did kind of stick out to me as well, because I, I love this movie top to bottom, but there was a couple moments where I was like, that's, yeah, that's that's pretty crappy behavior, and I think it's you know it probably seemed innocent at the time. Probably was not looked upon in any sort of negative light. But yeah, there's definitely some uh, some stalking going on, and also just sort of the assumed um, what's the word I'm looking for as if he was owed something because he did the work that he was owed uh, some sort of reciprocation from the different women. And in particular, there's a scene where he has a he has a magical night with Rita. It's just perfect. And it's not planned. He's just, he's enjoying her company and they get to the moment where they're almost going to kiss and then it doesn't happen. So he tries to recreate the exact same experience the next day. And it is a disaster because he's, he's trying to make it happen so hard. He's just trying to make the same things occur. And he feels like he should have gotten to the same place and he didn't. And yeah, that's the one time I was kind of like, eh, I could have done without that. I think, it's I think it makes sense for the journey he's on. 
but in particular, it was just a little bit cringeworthy. I think where it works is his character is a bad character uh, for a large chunk of the movie. Uh, he goes from being a bad character at the beginning towards the middle. He, he does, I mean, he does a heist at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't hurt anybody. He, he's really a, a bad person. And, and the movie itself, if he was seducing Rita through this means, that would be a problem. But the movie itself points to that, I think, with that scene which you are describing and says... No, no, there's something wrong with that. And that's not the way you, you should uh, right. get Cause, intimate. Because he is never successful at seducing her when he was trying to do those things. It wasn't until later when he sort of opened himself up and just accepted what was happening that he then became a type of person that she would fall in love with. So he, he was never rewarded with her, though there were other women. It's heavily implied in one case shown that he was successful at seducing them because he had information. All right, so Michael, I'll start with you. What did you like about this movie, and was there anything about it you didn't care for? Uh, so I, I like everything about this movie. It's pretty much the perfect movie for me. Um, it's intellectual, it's spiritual, it's uh, funny, it's got drama, and it's really a, a slice of life, just with like a Bill Murray shade sunglasses on, which you know makes it all funny. I mean, the the great thing about this movie is you could do this movie as an intellectual journey, and you could have you know. Com- go at it that that way you could take it as a spiritual journey you could take it this movie could could have been a drama it could have been uh you know a a a thriller it could have been anything this the premise of this movie is really uh is really anything i mean you could go into a thing and pitch this as almost any type of genre they did make a thriller recently i think it's like happy dead day or something like that and there's a girl who gets killed over and over yeah. again and she keeps waking oh, up yeah, the same yeah. day until she catches her she's killer in a time loop yeah so she's an exact same yeah. time loop but it's a murder mystery thriller yeah this pitch must have been yeah you got great you got the edge of tomorrow which uh, i've oh, seen yeah. it by i love that movie yeah. too so the, yeah it, it really started that i'm trying to think of if there's a movie before it that that did it it might have been there's a i think that it might be a twilight zone story when it's something similar but with christmas so the, the yes. typical sort of uh the simpson uh, oh that must be nicer new year's <laughs> eve yeah each every day <laughs> i want to kill myself <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you take the human psyche and and stretch it to infinity so what, anything about it you didn't like or, or you know, whether looking yeah. through a lens of, you know, what is it now, 20 some odd years ago or whatever? So I can definitely uh, I can definitely see that there's a definite creep factor. But to me, that is that's in there for a reason. It's it's purposefully put in there. It's not. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's not something that um, I think was overlooked because of the time frame. I think it was an active decision by the writing staff and the directing staff to say, we are going to put this creepy aspect in there. Yeah, I think, again, from just from like a writing standpoint, they showed him be successful at seducing a woman early to show he was the type of person that would do that yeah. and that there are some women that would be susceptible to it because that talks about his character, but also talks about Rita's character that she didn't fall for. It. Yeah. And those are the two main characters. It talks about, it shows elements of both of their personalities, which makes them more likable characters in mm-hmm. the long run and makes you root for them at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it shows that people have no, you know, they're not all one thing, uh, which, you know, is the reality of life. And you hope that people make the, and you try to push people towards making the good decisions. So that's what this was about. I did read that uh, there were other actors considered for Bill Murray's part. 
and uh, most of them were uh, uh, turned down uh, because Harold Ramis told that they were too nice or nice looking. Uh, the example I remember was, for instance, Tom Hanks. Yep. Tom Hanks was the one that I read as well. I, I love Tom Hanks. I do not think he would have worked in this movie. I'm trying to imagine it, and I feel like it would have... He, he's Tom Hanks. He would have done a great job. Probably, yeah. But the movie would have a different tenor. And that's what I mean. Like, you could really... If you would have cast anybody but Bill Murray, like, this movie would feel different. So, obviously, I love the movie as well. It, there's so many just jokes and and moments that i love and I, I love how again how bill murray plays them uh you know he's a weatherman and there's kind of a running gag early on where there there might have been a blizzard and he keeps telling people it's going to miss us and he, mm-hmm. and he and he goes to these motions like a weatherman <laughs> where he's like the warm air is going to come up and then it's going to push <laughs> off to the east and he says that like five times and he's wrong every time because obviously the blizzard mm-hmm. traps him there and uh in the first iteration of the the, the day the woman who runs a bed and breakfast asks him uh, uh, about the weather. You leave him today, and he goes through the whole thing, and he's like, "Did you really want to talk about the weather, or were you just making conversation?" She's like, yeah. "I was just making conversation." That is one of my favorite parts of the movie when he does that. <laughs> he goes through the whole thing, and the first, the first day of the loop, the, so the first loop day, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 day zero, uh, he says, uh, "You know, chance of departure." 100%. 100%. And then day first day of the loop, he looks uh, chance of departure. 80? 80%? 80%? 75%? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. You, this, <laughs> That's perfect. I just love the, the rhythm of the editing of this movie. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's quite an exercise and it's brilliant. The, the first day is the longest day and, and then you, you've got the next one is slightly shorter and the, the way they jump to t- through time uh, within that singular day, uh, it's it's I just love it. The, the way it, it's made um it's yeah i mean as someone with it's uh quite uh simply a little podcast show it's quite it's quite impressive to to think of all the parts coming together in the editing room huh? i would love to read the script for this because i have to imagine the script was great to start with because it's, it's just, a lot of arrows there's, there's <laughs> a lot of arrows just like you know the same pages photocopied yeah uh but i i feel like it just it's it's such a well-written film at least edited maybe maybe the script was terrible and they fixed it uh through you know acting and editing as we all know editors can really just make you look like a genius absolutely editing is the power of god yeah but i just feel like just the choices they made as kayla was saying how long the first you know one is what what they show what they Mm -hmm. don't show how they imply things that are happening and again just how bill murray plays it where i mean he he goes through the stages of grief at first, he doesn't believe it. He's in denial. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't happening. This isn't happening. Then he, it is happening. He gets angry about it. He's mad. And then he kind of gets, <laughs> you know, he starts to bargain where he's going to try to get something out of it. That's where mm-hmm. he becomes very selfish. And he, and he has, you know, he has sexual relations with a woman. He kind of tricks and seduces. And he starts to get, you know, he gets money out of it because he robs the the truck. And he's starting to, like, just take advantage of the, op- the abilities that he has, the opportunities he has. And then he kind of gets depressed when he realizes that this is all there is. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the novelty wears off and then he starts trying to kill himself and just, you know, just whatever. And then finally he accepts it and that's how the movie ends. I just, I feel like it's such a great example of how you're, as you as a human, your psyche would change because it made me think the same thing. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a person. I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. So would I be, would I rather die after a natural lifespan or would I rather live the same day forever? And 
after a while, that day's going to suck. And that's exactly what happens to him is at some point it's going to stop being life. You're not going to be living anymore. Uh, one of the examples I would use, I had this conversation. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Michael probably is. I don't know about Caleb. Uh, but sometimes businesses will hire people to stand on the side of the road with like a sign that says like, you know, do your taxes here or, you know, this, this, this uh, furniture store has 50% off. And they basically just stand on the corner with a sign and they shake the sign for eight hours a day. And I had a conversation with one of, one of my bosses about if you paid me $100,000 a year to do that job, I would quit in three weeks. You could not pay me enough to just stand in one spot for eight hours a day. I would, that would drive me insane. That's I, why they, that's why they make, the regular staff do it. Well, or they, they, they cycle through yeah, people. Like, I mean, I could do it for like a week. Going, I mean, I'm getting paid $70 an hour. I can mm -hmm. listen to podcasts all yeah. day. This is great. Yeah. But after like three weeks, I'm going to be miserable staying on that same street corner just shaking a sign that says, do your taxes here. And that's what we see with him is he enjoys it for a while. He's like, I can do so much good. But still, after a while, it turns and sours. Um, according to what I read on IMDb, there's some discrepancies between how long he was in the loop. Uh, the, the director says he, he was in the loop for about 10 years. And then there's some other people who watched the movie, and I don't know how they came up with it, are saying like 12 years. Yeah. But still, I mean, you're, you're reliving the same exact day right around 4,000 times in a row. I don't know why they ever put a number to it. I think yeah. if that's the... That's the I mean, they don't, the, they don't And they the don't movie. really, yeah. 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 And uh, that's part of the joy of, of the watcher is like, you know, how, how, long does it, how long would it take to do that sort of thing? What, yeah. it, what does he, it take for somebody to change? Because he becomes a, a, you know, a master pianist. He becomes yeah. an ice sculptor. Uh, and again, just, just knowing everything he knows. He has it down to the seconds. There's one scene... Uh, this is where he robs the the Brinks truck, basically. And he's like, the wind. And then you hear, whoo, he's mm -hmm. like, dog barking, roof, roof, car. So, I mean, you wouldn't do that in one day. I mean, he would probably have to be on that same spot for like a week yeah. to get it down to the exact second. So, bringing it back to, to our, our topic of tabletop RPG. So, he, he did manage to learn piano, having lessons with the same teacher who would give him not lesson one, but he would show up and say, oh, I started uh, this course a month ago with another teacher. I really want a lesson today. Give me a lesson. And she would give him a more advanced lesson each time. But I just realized that, let's say, so he's got this infinite amount of time, but he could, so he could play role-playing games if he wanted, but he could only <laughs> run one-shots, which are 24 yeah. hours long. He could not play a campaign. <laughs> He could just yeah. run different stories to the same people again and again. But he, he that would be that would be a joy. Is if I was stuck in this same day, yeah. How would I get the campaign group together for the most amount of time? But you you could play a campaign if like day one you're like, hey, we're gonna play everybody's level one, mm -hmm. and the next day you're like, hey, we're gonna start a campaign, but we're gonna start two days in. This is your <laughs> second level characters. This is what's happened, and then just each time you'd have to catch them up to where they. And let were. me tell you what your motivation is yeah. that I know you like. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of a game I played at Gen Con this yeah. last year. And the, they play pre-gens, and the, the second day they're like, wow, this pre-gens is very close to something I would have created myself. <laughs> yeah. And the yeah. second, day, the third God. day is like, wow, this. Quite a bit of background on this pregen I would yeah. have created myself. Oh, this you, you did a good job. This game you master built a bar is crazy. that can shapeshift. Oh my god, this is perfect for me. 
All right, so let's go one more time around the horn uh, for anything else about the movie as a movie itself, and then we will we will jump into the RPG talk specifically. So, Caleb, anything else about this movie that you would recommend? Uh, just a particular scene or moment you loved, or just anything else you'd want to call out? I mean, I think <laughs> this guy's got even have a plaque where they shot the movie, but <laughs> yeah. Ned is brilliant. Uh, Ned, oh, yeah. Ned is great. That scene, it, it tells so much because that's what tells you exactly what's the mood of Phil on that day. That he's going to be angry, he's going to be nice, he's going to be a coy and manage to to deal with things. Uh, my only recommendation would be, uh, I was, I like plugging stuff. I was listening to a podcast called I Was There Too. The concept is that actors who play secondary role or sometimes extra are interviewed about their participation to big movies and cannot pronounce his name but the gentleman who plays ned uh, was also in deadwood has got an episode you can find it on soundcloud uh, it's the, this guy is great at explaining the story of his involvement in uh groundhog day so that's my recommendation and yeah i love ned i know i love this scene and and i love how it's a lesson in uh, using a charisma check or something of how do you get rid of someone annoying rather than doing it in an aggressive way you do it by becoming excessively uh intimate with that person i told and and this apparently was ad-libbed by bill murray the um, the why don't you call sick you call your office yeah. i don't know where sick. you're going but can you call in sick? Can you call on sick yeah yeah <laughs> It's real good. It's so good. And right. like now I have to use that in a game, <laughs> game. as a player or, and see if it works. Yeah. All right. So, Michael, anything from you about the movie? Um. So, I mean, I'm sure I'll bring it up again. Uh. But obviously this movie has like, uh, and the reason uh, it's like stuck with me so so long is that it blends uh, humor and drama and uh, sort of spirituality. Like, so you, you already know this, but like I do psychological work in, in the other you know, in other parts of my life. And um, if you want sort of an insight as to what <laughs> like doing your own work is like, uh, you know, it's, it's that like he's doing work, he's doing self-improvement and what is it, you know, there's parts of it that suck, but ultimately it's really, it's really good for you. So if you want insight onto like, you know, at that aspect, um, this is a good movie to like, I think it really spur you into self-improvement too. Okay. So uh, it, it's a, it was a highlight. I'm so glad that we did this movie. Uh, the goal was for this episode to come out on Groundhog's Day, which was the inspiration uh, for it. I, I had not watched this movie in probably five years or more. I, I, I'm so glad I watched it. I loved it. I probably will watch it again pretty soon. Uh, so definitely, if you have not yet watched it, whether you're a role player or not, if you're not, I don't know why the bleep you're listening to the show. But if you haven't watched this movie or haven't watched it in a while, go back and watch it. It's great. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about actual role-playing games. So, so I'll start with you again, Caleb. Do you think this is a movie from a role-playing game standpoint that a DM or player should watch, and why? I want to say yes, but it's at the same time... <laughs> I mean, uh, I, got, I got a few ideas of themes and stuff from the movie we can pull towards a role-playing game, but... On one hand, I want to say a strong yes, and then, and on the other hand, I could not, uh, you know, justify it, explain it. I could not say these are the reasons why a role player should enjoy this movie. It's just 
yeah 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 you will <laughs> definitely uh yeah yeah for sure michael uh would i recommend it uh yeah so i wrote down like a couple topics and you know like what came first the card of the horse like did are these are these answers like implicitly in the movie or are they are they not um but there's a couple points that i had i'll just throw a couple uh in there the i think the big first one is like depth of character um because you really this is a uh really an expose in bill murray's character's life um and uh i think that is some sometimes missing from games and i know that i often in my younger years went too big and really i think the most moving and the things that stick with us the most like you can look at like other movies like this or princess bride or or other you know small small batch movies they're not really they're telling the story of, of a couple things like there's stuff going on in the background um but really i think that how to act a specific character out and how to really give a character personality um is big because you know they end up being caricatures in a lot of games a lot of our our characters can be characters and like well this is the town drunk or this is the town blah blah, blah. but every character has all these things going on and you really get invested in some of these characters because you find out uh, a laundry list of details about a lot of the characters in the in the film you know they you they they gives all these facts about um everybody that's in the diner at one point mm-hmm. and really as a as a gm you should be always thinking about sort of in the back of your mind uh, that all of these characters have something weird. They're not just the town drunk. They, you know, studied 19th century French poetry or, you know, something. And they have these quirks. Um, and and uh, that's the piece that I think is really is really useful to, especially a GM, is to how to think about a town. Because really everything takes place in, in this town. Well, I think to, to your point, you know, again, the journey he's on in the movie can parallel a lot of, role-playing player journeys as well. You, you start off, you play an edgelord who just wants their stuff and they're going to, you know, go against the party. They're selfish. But if you buy into the story and start to care about the world, mm-hmm. you get a more full and fulfilling experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also from a DM standpoint, uh, throwing it back to the player in a way where, again, Andy McDowell's character Rita is, when, she's, when he starts talking about all the people in the diner and she's like, well, what about him? Mm-hmm. I, as the player of DM, I'd be like, I don't know, player. What about him? <laughs> and then when you tell me something, I go, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, getting the players to yeah, invest exactly. by providing information that is then truth in the in the story. Yeah. Well, he never wishes he left the Navy. You're right. He You're right. doesn't. And and you know that about him somehow because he's got like a tattoo or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all of that how to. I mean, I, ha- I have, you know, I have so many things I can relate to it. But Callum, you were. Anything else? I have like five, six points. <laughs> come back to me. Okay. Well, we, we may not have time for all of no, them. No, I know. Um, so I, I'm in I'm in a bit of a weird corner case because I highly recommend this movie to everyone because I love it so much. But I don't know that it has a lot of specific takeaways that are truly beneficial beyond the character study. Like, I, I love when we disagree. Good. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff to uh, finger. <laughs> <It's actually laughs> yeah. But, you know, again, you know, I just, I, I have a hard time pulling a lot of, you know, actionable, like as a DM, because this, the story is, I think it's written so well that it would be hard to replicate this story in an RPG without railroading the crap out of it. You also rarely have one player RPGs, so then you have an entire group. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different dynamic. 
But I think the concept of putting your characters in a time loop is a great concept. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, it's got potential to go poorly, but I think it also has potential to be an amazing experience. And I've wanted to do it, and I've tried to do it several times. Um, You know, I I have these visions in my head of, like, the party is getting up, they're, they're like walking into town and everyone's like, when did you get back? Mm-hmm. And then they don't find out till later that they've already been to this town. They've already left and now they're in a loop. And I, I love the concept of some benefactors helping the players, giving them clues, maybe even like opening a door and they find out later it's them in the future, Bill mm-hmm. and Ted style, helping them out, you know, making sure they can complete the thing they need to complete. But it's really hard to do that in a game that's not scripted because it's so easy for honestly for a player to mess it up. It's that's the wrong terminology because players don't mess things up. But if you're trying to create that type of experience, they can mess up that experience. It's funny. I disagree because for two reasons. First, I think I find the movie, the setting of the movie is the ultimate sandbox. So first he's got very clear boundaries. It's a town. You cannot leave it because there's a blizzard. You cannot leave that. And second, there's the repetition. And so that's my first point. So actually, he can he can do he literally can do whatever he wants within that and town. This is yeah. Ravenloft. <laughs> yeah, it's Ravenloft. Second, actually, he does not get out of his situation because he worked it out. He, he didn't get out because he found out a clue and uh, with a riddle, and he found out which apparently was something in the early script that he was cursed by an ex or something like that. No, I'm so glad they left that out. Yeah. Like I I do, I did not want to know. I'm so happy. I never learned why this happened. Yeah. And so you could have your player. So you just sandbox it and you re you reset it every day. Just your players, they're leveling up, but you just decide to end it. Once they do something you find, actually that could be a reason why they get out, but you don't, you could the, the problem is that you're gonna face your players is gonna face what Phil is facing, which is at first they're gonna be like, hmm, that's funny because the the players they're not a, an actual individual stuck in a in a situation. Maybe they don't like that. But maybe if you make it a place they don't like, they're, they're gonna be like, I want to leave, etc. So they, they're gonna be angry, but they're gonna go through the stages like Phil because it, you're gonna do it for a few sessions. And for a couple of sessions, it will, it will be like, actually, it's fun because we can do whatever. We can uh, kill the uh, the homeless person or, or do whatever we want. We can burn the, the inn and next morning it's back. So we don't care. Ah, it's fun. Then they're going to mm-hmm. go in the stage of uh, we, we are Michael. We need to stop this story. Please <laughs> tell me next session. We are getting out of Ravenloft. <laughs> we cannot take it anymore. And you're like, well, we'll see. And <laughs> so I, I agree with you to a point, but I, I do think that's one of the differences is that this movie is like an hour and 45 minutes long. Mm-hmm. But if you were to play it on a role playing game, it could take months of game <laughs> sessions. Uh, so the players might get to Phil's point of view way quicker than you as the DM want them to, you know, because mm-hmm. how do you shortcut and go, OK, we're going to do a two second scene. How do you, you know, show that you're angry or whatever? Yeah, how do you show passage of time? Like right. How do you... Without quant- actually you, playing it out how four hours How do you quantify that? So I think... I, I'm glad I end up somewhere in the middle of, of you two. So I have one quick question for Callum, which is, uh, do you... T- would you tell... If you ran it, would you tell your players that that's where you're going with it or would you keep it hidden? 
Hmm. Right. One 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 part of me would say no because uh, I'm not that old school, but kind of old school '90s. And personally, yeah. as a player, I like to be surprised. Yeah. And uh, I did play stories like that in some games, uh, but much shorter uh, of Nephilim because there's magic and memories and this sort of thing can happen. But on the other hand, uh, if I wanted to play it a bit more serious, well, seriously, not as uh, make it a drama, but more seriously as people being committed and buying in in the idea, I would have a proper session zero and say, okay, this is going to be it. Mm -hmm. And it's going to last for, for a while. And that's it. But the problem is, uh, I think, I mean, uh, I probably would do it myself as a player. I put my players in a situation that time was not on a on a loop, but they were stuck in a in in a kind of um, what's it name spirited away situation. So they were right. out of money, they were in the shadow fell, and they were saved by this inn, but that great debt and that work there as maids, etc. And as soon as you say, okay, you are stuck in this box, although I had a lot of stuff in this box for them to play with, and I was hoping they would engage with the NPCs like, like Phil does in the people in the town, uh, the, the knee-jerk reaction of most players is to, to freak out. Yeah. I want, I need to get out of the box. I need to get out of the box. So, so, uh, yeah. So, so on one hand, I'd like to, the surprise, both as a game master or player. On the other hand, yeah, a session zero could actually help you do more stuff, I think. Yeah, and that's the I'm in the same tough spot, which is I think this movie has a lot of allegories that are good for especially GMs, but I don't think that it's, this isn't Conan the Barbarian. Like, you can't pick up the... I could pick up the Conan the Barbarian script and run that as a like a couple shot, maybe mm -hmm. a session, you know, maybe a little bit more. But uh, I think the movie's got so much to offer in terms of, like, what a story is. And if... Anybody's in my group, you put on your earmuffs right now, you take off your headphones. Because <laughs> uh, I have this sort of like, I feel like it's a sick, uh, like want to trap my, my players in a, in a situation. And this movie brought, brought that to the forefront. I've had, I've had this in the back of my GM mind, like we all do, for, God, I don't know, like 10 years. Where what happened to me 10 years ago, our players got stuck in a trap a while, for a little while. And then we sort of got out. And I thought to myself, what would happen? Like we had, you know, things that kept giving us food and we had things that, you know, gave us light. So you have all the needs uh, and, you know, drainage, whatever you, if you got stuck in between like two walls or in between a trap, you know, what would happen? How would the players play that out of being stuck for a month, two months? So I have this sort of like want to trap my players, you know, my, and my players are really good at role playing. They, they enjoy that, that aspect uh, about it. But, what would happen if I trapped my players for a month and I ran like three sessions? Just, you guys are stuck in here. What do you want to do? And that, I think they would really bite into it because you have to have good players to do that. But, uh, well, yeah. I think, and there's an element here too, is that Phil was able, it reset. It wasn't like they were just trapped mm -hmm. and couldn't get away. In this scenario, they could like kill each other, mm -hmm. but then they would wake up the next day. So, in your situation where they're trapped, are, are they immortal? Or are they just trapped? So it, they're trapped and it gets, uh, so the, in the ways that it's similar is um, uh, that you really get to dive deep into like each character and really figure out what makes them tick. And it is, it's, it's going to make one of two things happen. 
somebody's either going to kill somebody or like hurt somebody if you trap them in this bubble that I've trapped them in, or they're going to get to know each other really, really well, and they're going to bond somehow in it. And I like that aspect, and I think some players would definitely like that aspect. Who you know, they're not as into the to the combat side of this role playing thing that we do, and they're more into the character depth side so people that really want to dive into their characters you know there's people who write i've received 10 page backstories before um and that that's all they need and uh that's what would make them happy as a as a gamer so i have that sort of one i don't know where i'm gonna fit it in but before my gm life is over so i could see this going like kind of a cool one shot where i wouldn't tell the players you know Mm -hmm. just you show up at gen con or catacon and like here's your pre-gens and like the first hour is just a completely normal adventure everything's Mm -hmm you know, on the up and up and then start of, you know, second hour. Now we're back at the very beginning, no explanation or one of the characters dies, you know, just you're in a combat with an ogre and I'm like, I'm sorry, you're dead. Everybody take five. Stick around though. Well, you know, we're going to take five. We're going to figure out something for you to do. And then, and then we just start the, the game back over there. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be, it could be fun for a one shot, but if we were in like a campaign where I'm like, this could go on forever as a player, I would get frustrated because I've had this experience. I played it a, a game in Gen Con three years ago now where it was a Call of Cthulhu game where something very similar happened. It was also, it was a time loop and also like an interdimensional game where like a, a version of me would get taken to another table with different people who were similar but not the same. So like people were constantly moving tables, but then the, but the day kept resetting. Mm-hmm. And by like the third time, my character, I like took like a bottle of gin and broke it over a, a table and stabbed some dude with it. Right. And everyone else at the table freaked out because they were all like, like, I don't know, they were just like very stoic about the whole thing. And I'm like, <laughs> why are we in a time loop? You know, like I'm freaking out as my, my player of my character and everyone else is like, thought I overreacted. I'm like, what would you actually do? Like, right. this is the third time we've had this conversation. As far as I know, you're a demon yeah. and you're doing this. I'm going to stab you in the neck, see what happens. So I think I would get tired <laughs> of the loop pretty quick as a player right. unless I knew like what we're building to. Like if DM says we're going to do this for the entire session, okay, I'm in it. But if yeah. I don't know when it's going to end, I'm going to try to get to the ending by just starting messing with stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where I'm stuck at. Yeah. Do, you, do you tell them? Do you not tell them? Because that's the fun it could be part. awesome. You freaking out is actually the fun part. Yeah, that's the <laughs> uh, as, as <laughs> part. Yeah. Yeah. So really the answer, the answer for me comes down to uh, you tell them or you don't tell them depending on the trust. If my players trust me, I've been playing with them for decades, mm-hmm. that they trust me and they I, and I'll, I'll give them some preface. We're like, hey, I'm going to do some weird expletive stuff uh, in the in the next like two sessions. Let's right. say. You don't tell them what it is. You just you set them, them up. Something's going to happen. Hey, something's going to happen. And if the trust is there, then they'll right. run with it. I so think that's the answer. I do like the idea, too, of, of doing because I'm not a big fan of like dungeon crawls. And I'm not a fan at all of like Tomb of uh, was it the, the the really dead one? What is that one called? To, Tomb of Horrors. Tomb of Horrors or the uh, element? Yeah. Tomb yeah. Of, so I, I played Tomb of Horrors like Temple one time for like half the session, and I I was done. I hated it. Like this is not my type of game. But it could be kind of fun. But what about if you came back? Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it's like okay, you got to you know it's almost like playing that uh, dragon layer game yeah. where you had to go like left left right up, and then mm. next time you remember to go left left down up. So it's the same thing. It's like you go through the dungeon and you step on this thing and someone dies, reset. Now you know not to step there. And so yeah. each time you're getting incrementally further along. Still would want to do that for probably more than one or two sessions. But that could be a fun yeah. adventure. It, it's it, a you could have a, a sort of sandbox. I mean, you can tweak it so that it's not exactly a reset. 
I mean, if you had a, this, I think it could be fun with Tomb of Horror, for instance. You just say, okay, uh, resurrections, you got them. You're going to be a magician, a wizard sending you to the Tomb of Horror. And before you go, you say, okay, keep that pendant on yourself, or here's a spell, blah, blah, blah. And the situation is, you're going to resurrect all the time. But it allows you, it becomes, sort of it's nice for people who are combat or riddle oriented or very dungeon crawly because it becomes a bit like a video game like castlevania where you okay you go there you face that monster you're like oh okay okay i don't have the level uh, i'm gonna go back to the other room and you find the, the previous monster a couple of times maybe you level up now you can find a minotaur and then you find a riddle and etc it could be could be an interesting way to make something very deadly uh fun in a different way it's a, it's a bit maybe people maybe old fans of dungeons and dragons or more or younger ones uh would yell at me for suggesting that but it could be fun to have a yeah sandbox where you you resurrect all the time but you can learn from your mistakes and your characters can still level up maybe you do a little thing you lose your equipment or or you lose a little bit of xp so it's, it's still there's still an incentive not to to die pointlessly, but you can play with the repetition. I can see a, a a scene in my head, very cinematic, where our heroes are up against the bad guy, the BBEG, and just wipes the floor with them. Mm-hmm. And then there's a time loop. They basically level up, and they come back, and you know. The, the BBG doesn't know there was a time loop and still is arrogant and cocky. And then he gets or she gets slaughtered. That could be a fun moment for the players. Like, you know, this, this thing killed us so easy, but now, you know, it's level one. Now we're level 15, same fight mm-hmm. and you don't change it. You let them wipe the floor with the bad guy. That could be a really fun moment. But again, is the build up to get there worth the payoff of that moment? So I think maybe there, I think there's a way to do it. I, that's this is everything we've been talking about for the past 30 minutes is the reason that I like the movie is that it's not giving you a, the the key to like how to do this. It's not Pirates of the Caribbean. It's not saying go run a pirate game. It's saying well think about what people like and think about how to use some of these unique concepts. But it's so, pressure. It's you right. put your characters in a situation. Yeah. they don't have control. How do they react? Yeah. And the pressure here is a time loop. It could be political pressures. It could be magical. It could be the mist of Ravenloft. It's, it's something where you can't do exactly what you want. How do you deal with that? Yeah. And then see where they go. Yeah, your regular toolkit for dealing with, you know, whatever is coming at you is not available. Yep. But So, yeah. Caleb, so any particular system that you think would be good for running a game that involves this sort of time loop with the players? Well, as I was saying, uh, I've been in somewhat similar situation. I'd be tempted to have something with uh, a somewhat long list of skills, so you can develop different things. Yeah, I mean, the well, it's it, it, we we're not gonna put the uh, the video, but there's a guitar behind me, and again, one aspect I really enjoy about the movie. I'm a dilettante. I'd like to, I'd like to sing. I'd like to draw. I do a bit of those things, but. I do a little bit of many things and I end up being uh, bad at all of them <laughs> instead of <laughs> yeah. getting good at a single thing. 
But um, yeah, uh, Nef- you're a jerk, at, a jerk of all trades and master of none. <laughs> yeah, it's an architect trade actually. It's uh, <laughs> uh, as you become an architect, you know more and more. F- you you know less and less, but in uh, more and more fields, uh, as opposed <laughs> to an engineer who knows more and more about less and less. But, Interesting, uh, yeah. But yeah, the percentile system or stuff uh, could be called of Tulu of Nephilim. You've got uh, skills like astrology or or speaking Greek or Spanish, etc. If you wanted to, to play on the repetition and have people develop their skills and maybe it allows them to unlock bits of the story, the dungeon. And uh, what I did with Nephilim, for instance, I would shape my skill checks, my uh, the encounters, based on the skills of the characters. So uh, depending on the characters, there would be a way for astrology to be useful or not. I would not decide in advance, oh, you need to know cryptography or you need to know astrology. No, I would come up with something useful related to the specific uh, character cheat. But yeah, if if we were in an enclosed sandbox which reset itself, I could decide those in advance and... and uh, the, the pathways that the, the players are opening. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, because it's what we're talking about. It's kind of the concept of leave blanks on the map. So you set a map and at the same time you see what's happening and you try to seize it. So if, if a player's got a good idea with something they started developing, well, uh, seize it and, and include it in your story. And quite simply, the end, I just, I find, uh, D&D is not the one I recommend the most time. It's a bit of a rant of mine to say D&D is great, but people should, there's too many. It's my personal view that people are missing out. Some people are missing out because they play only Dungeons and Dragons. But in this case, uh, I just like the, the fact that he acquires skills and, and levels up in a way. So, so D&D would be great because again, the, the reset at the time loop, you would literally have a number on your sh- character sheet saying, well, you started this story level one, now you're level 10. And when you wake up the next morning, things going to be very different because suddenly you've got 12 spell slots. <laughs> and when you meet Ned that morning, he's going to have a really weird time. <laughs> All right. So I know you've got a list of more things to talk about, but we're on a bit of a time crunch. So I'm gonna you, do both. you get one more. What'd I'm just gonna I'm gonna say all the things that I think are relevant to players, okay, uh, and GMs. One is uh, drama can be fun and funny. So there's a lot of really dramatic moments in here, and I think players often will make like fun at that. Uh, but that it can be fun and funny and still dramatic. So that's I think a good one for players and GMs. Um, small stories are often the most powerful. This is story of one person. It's really powerful. You can sneak a bigger meaning into your game. You know, there's a there's look at all this spirit, spiritual stuff we're talking about, really good, and yeah. uh, how to play a love interest and ancillary characters. Because like you've been said, you love Ned. I mean, they're so memorable. They they they're so their personalities are so crisp and you know have so much to them. So really, like as a GM, how to encapsulate that. But so that's my that's the things that I had to add. But if I was going to run it in a system, I mean, you know me, I. It's power. I think it's powered by the apocalypse, because um, so much of this is uh, about a move set. It's not really about a number of succeeding or like a a number at how good you are at piano. It's just that you know how to play piano. Um, it's not that you uh, you know you're going to rob the bank. I just need to know how you do it. 
So it's really, and that um, in PBTA, you level up when you fail. And he did a lot of failing in the movie. <laughs> yeah, true. Did a lot of failures uh, <laughs> so that every time you fail, that's when you're getting experience. I think it'd be interesting to run it in PBTA because at some point you get very powerful and you're succeeding at everything. So as a GM, you would have to develop an organic way of, in this situation with a loop, loop you'd have to develop an organic situation to say, um, now's when they're going to succeed and they're going to move past this day because they've succeeded enough, but that every time that they fail, they're getting closer to that moment. Gotcha. So the, the one that comes to my mind is actually 13th Age, which is a kind of a D&D clone, but it's got a few specific elements that I think would work here, which you could port them over to anything. But in, in 13th Age, for like your, your skills, you don't have skill points, you just have background. So like if you worked in a circus, you could just write circus performer. And then when you're in the game, when something happens, like maybe there's a wild animal, you could say, well, I used to work in a circus. I know how to capture animals or, or, or herd them or whatever. And then the DM can say, well, you have to give me a, a story mm-hmm. of what what happened in your past specifically that will help you do this. And you could kind of do the same thing. You could play out the time loop for like a session and then just have everybody jump five levels and then work backwards every time they try to do something. Be like, okay, we're going to go back into the time loop. Tell me about what you did in the time loop that now is allowing you to play the piano. Yeah. Now or what was the day like? Or know, the days like? Yeah. That. Give me yeah. the give me the five minute recap of when you learned CPR or when you learned that cantrip that you didn't know when we started the game. Uh, so I think that would be kind of a fun way to do it, which might not put so much pressure on the actual time loop being successfully pulled off as the feel of the time loop existing, mm-hmm. and then you manage it later through flashbacks. For a one-shot, actually, Paranoia would be very good also, because it's the, the concept of the clones is almost uh, your way into to explain the, the loop and reset aspect of things. So if you want the repetition, not the system per se, but the, the idea of, uh, oh, we did that, in this room we're trying to do this, uh, we got all killed, well, you got clones now, so uh, re- repeat and uh, rinse and re- repeat. All right. I really like the suggestion one of you put in the list. Uh, I'd be, it would be a pity not to discuss it, but um, the idea of punishment from greater powers and humility and self-reflection, I, thought, I, thought, I think it's a very good one uh, to introduce in a role-playing game. Right. They, they never explain obviously why Ned or not Ned, uh, Phil was put in this, but I think it's kind of assumed it was as a punishment or a way for him to, to learn humility or better himself. So I could see that happening in like a D and D game or any fantasy game where, cause it happens all the time. You know, if you spend any time on Reddit or Facebook, which hopefully you don't, cause those are both awful places. But if you do, there's going to be a scene where the DMs like I had my players meet the God of whatever. And somebody shot him in the face or, you know, pissed on his boots what do I do? Like, well, you know, that might be a, a, put good, them in a time loop. Yeah, put them in a, that might be a good punishment <laughs> for them is put them no. in a time loop uh, until they learn not to do those things. Yeah. As an option. I'm not, I'm actually, I don't believe that in-game, uh, you can correct in-game problems yeah. or player problems with in-game solutions. But if everyone's on board, mm-hmm. that could be a, a fun way to introduce the time loop. You know, the, the god of Kronos, the god of time got pissed at you because you, again, you weren't paying attention or you didn't do what they wanted you to do. So now you get to relive the same day for a thousand years and then he'll come back and it can be one session, but then you come back and hopefully they don't do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they will and there's a lot players. of players that enjoy that draw. Yeah. Like they want, I know a lot of players that they enjoy their own characters failures than they do their successes because yeah. yeah. it allows more grit for role play. Yeah. 
I have a lot of players like that. All right. So, Caleb, so any last words before we wrap up and close up this episode of Film Studies? Uh, no, I just for for the uh, the anecdote, uh, I would say I think it was maybe the second time I was watching or maybe even the first time I was watching the movie in English. And uh, turns out Groundhog Day is one of the few movies, because uh, I saw it when I was younger, that I actually enjoy more in French, uh, because I had difficulties to follow it in English, and so many uh, sentences, quotes are iconic, even in French, so like Ghostbusters, actually, uh, or Back to the Future, I prefer the French version. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right michael that's the most accent you'll ever get out of it. <laughs> yes all right so michael any last words from you um no th- watch the movie think about how it can relate to your rpg games and what elements you want to bring into your own life or into your game life and write to us about them yep yeah. absolutely if you uh, listen to this and you have your own thoughts you've done time loops or you now have an idea or you you want to do one and you tell us how it went uh, let us know hit us up on twitter on facebook on the post that we put this out in the episode uh, or email us at the rpg academy at gmail.com so kale michael thank you both for joining me here today i always appreciate both of you and what you do for us as the show and as the network uh so uh Caleb, where can people find you and your stuff if they want to check out more of your show on the internet so they can find the Rollist podcast on uh, iTunes Stitcher Podchaser Podbean uh, anywhere really Podcast Addict um, I won't spell Rollist uh, you can find it in the show notes it's a French word for role player you can find me also on Instagram uh, on Twitter at Pod or Facebook and uh, also you can find me each Friday now playing uh, Achtung Tulu, a, two, a new 2D20 version from Modifuse on the Twitch channel of uh, Encounter Roleplay. Excellent. Thank you. And Michael, where can people find you? Um, well, people can't find me because their perception isn't good enough or my stealth is too good. It's <laughs> one of the two. But if you wanted to tweet me, uh, you could tweet me at Verjaeger, V-E-R-J-A-E-G-E-R-1. Uh, you know, at the tweets um, and uh, anything about the show and or anything about Groundhog Day that you liked. Very cool. And for myself, you can find everything I do at the RPG Academy, uh, whether it's .com, Gmail, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you go to the RPG Academy and it's not me, there's a problem, so please let me know. I have to have a conversation with somebody. Uh, if you've enjoyed this show, please consider supporting our Patreon at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy, uh, because that is how we are able to do multiple shows and multiple show types, and it just helps support us in general. But if that's not your thing, then just follow us on Twitter, give us a like, send us an email, tell us you listen to the show, because that's awesome as well. Right, so for Michael, Calum, and Michael, we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash the RPG Academy 
and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.